Hello everyone, welcome to our Canadian journey. I am your co-traveler Darshan Maharaja. Actually, I had planned this episode as part of the elevator chat series. But as I prepared the material, I realized that the episode was going to be longer than what I promised for that series. I aim to keep those episodes within 10 minutes and I realized that this was going to be longer. So I decided to make it into a regular episode of our Canadian journey itself. Now as chance would have it, I realized that this is episode number 13 in the long format. And uh, that may be ominously apt for the topic of uh, today's chat, if you believe in that kind of a thing. Now, as I had mused originally, starting the shorter episodes under the elevator chat name has made it possible to produce longer episodes as uh, we see now. My thanks to everyone who egged me on in this direction. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started after our regular intro music. want to talk about a very disturbing idea that emerged recently from Alberta, of all places, although the city is Calgary, so maybe not so surprising. A Calgary-based group called Seniors Acting Group is staging a play from June 8 to June 11. Now, today is June 10th, so today and tomorrow they will have uh, shows of this play. Uh, on whether Canadians over the age of 85 should be mandated to die. Of course, they are saying that they are just starting a conversation on a difficult subject. But the question in many people's minds would be whether this conversation is necessary at all. In particular, it is, is it moral to dictate that people should die at a certain point? My more basic question is, how did we reach this point? The question is, of course, rhetorical. If you have read my writing, especially my article, The State of Dereliction, you will know that I believe that over the past few decades, the Canadian state has been increasingly abdicating its most sacred duty of ensuring the physical safety of Canadians. Paradoxically, this has been made possible or necessitated, if we see this from the other side of the lens, because the state also increasingly took on more and more responsibility for functions that are, at least partly, in the domain of private enterprise. I see a serious case of mission creep here. 
the result was that the state was rendered less and less capable of performing all the duties that it undertook as its monopoly the starkest example of this and what is at the heart of today's episode is in the area of healthcare you are all familiar with the mess there when the so called universal healthcare was ushered in the deal was that the apparatus created by the government would provide healthcare as needed in return for tax contributions from people there would be no payment required at the point of use over time waiting lists developed and then became longer and longer at the same time frustrated patients on the waiting list were prohibited from accessing private healthcare this was challenged in british columbia by dr brian day and others their contention was that blocking access to private healthcare especially when the waiting list in the public system was too long constituted a violation of canadian's charter right to life liberty and security of the person enshrined in section 7 of the charter the british columbia court of appeals agreed that the said violation was indeed taking place but added that this violation was permitted in the interest of fundamental justice frankly speaking from a layman's perspective this is totally wacky forcing people to suffer from medical ailments diminished quality of lives and even causing death cannot be seen to serve fundamental justice in any sane world but the world of socialism is not sane almost by default everything has to pivot around ideological tenets the individual is never at the center of the focus and often not even at the periphery the learned judge's contention was that preventing rich people from jumping the queue is more important than ensuring that patients get the treatment in a timely man- manner as if that wasn't enough of a tragedy the supreme court of canada refused to hear an appeal of this decision as a result the most fundamental issue of our social contract is now in limbo on this front i believe that a nation cannot survive for long at least as a thriving and prosperous one without a sacrosanct social contract at this point it is highly pertinent to note that the supreme court did hear another case known as the carter case wherein it held that prohibiting access to assisted dying does constitute a violation of the same charter right under section 7 and gave the parliament one year to come up with legislation to allow this access in other words in the infinite wisdom of canadian courts the charter right to life liberty and security of the person can be violated when it comes to access to healthcare but cannot be violated when it comes to accessing death it is indeed shocking but sadly not surprising that a person's wish to die carries greater support than a person's wish to live in good health i say not surprising because in my opinion this is the end stage of socialism
mindless obeisance to a set of ideas that were merely a creation by mortal humans tends to lead to misery and death talking of medical assistance in dying or maid as the anodyne acronym for this atrocity goes within just 6 months of parliament passing the law on maid in june 2016 a study came out also from calgary showing that maid could save a lot of money in the healthcare system the estimate ranged between 35 million dollars and 136 million dollars a year the message or at least the attempt at the message was clear canadians need for healthcare was now in competition with the state's desire to control costs of healthcare over the 7 years that the maid regime has been in place we have seen it being expanded to include patients whose death was not reasonably foreseeable this is directly athwart the initial understanding the social contract if you will that assisted dying would only apply in the case of terminal illness involving unbearable pain when the patient's death was imminent to add to this plans and or proposals are a food to expand made even further to infants mature minors and people suffering from mental illness the said plans and or proposals the official ones unofficially we have seen it getting expanded to cover conditions such as vision loss hearing loss inability to get the needed healthcare and even apprehension of homelessness not homelessness itself just the apprehension let me be clear here it is not just the official dum that is at fault for this shameful expansion the people of canada also bear some responsibility for this as a recent opinion poll revealed nearly a third of us are a okay with maid being provided on account of social issues such as poverty and homelessness it was therefore inevitable that talk of making death mandatory would raise its ugly head at some point and the most objectively identifiable criterion for mandatory death is age everyone is equally likely to reach that milestone the news story on global news about this play begins with the mention of a study commissioned by the canadian medical association saying that the cost and demand for elder care will nearly double by 2031 then the report says quote there is no avoiding the fact that on uh, that an aging population will continue to contribute to spending growth or is there if we eliminate the problem end quote it is noteworthy here that killing off the elderly is the only available option to eliminate the problem of increased spending in healthcare in other words the problem is not the increased spending but rather the people who cause the increase in spending their worth is seen as nothing or at least less than the spending on their healthcare the global news report talks ad nauseum about the healthcare spending or costs 
I don't fault the reporter, one Caroline Curie de Castillo, for this, other than that she didn't go beyond the parameters provided by the theme of the play that she is reporting on. Maybe, just maybe, the editors could have asked her to do that and provide a counter-argument. Here is the crucial angle that nobody, and I mean nobody, has caught on to so far in Canada. If you say anything in the nature of disagreement with the regime of assisted dying, you are sure to get accused of denying a health care option to people who are suffering terribly. And that must mean that you are a monster. But the supporting argument for MAID always features the money aspect rather prominently. As I mentioned, it popped up right after the legalization of MAID. We know from the unfortunate case of Roger Foley that patients can be pressured to opt for MAID because their treatment is costing too much. Luckily, Mr. Foley was able to resist this pressure. But we don't know how many more cases are there where the patient couldn't resist this pressure and they are now merely part of the data on MAID recipients. The cruel irony is that our public healthcare system is very well funded. In that light, curtailing any medical treatment on the basis of a cost control argument or the saving money argument would be odious. There is enough money in the system. But we have gone beyond that argument already. We have seen cases where people have requested MAID because their disability support is not enough. There are people inquiring about made at food banks because they can't put food on the table. I consider this to be the cost-saving argument via the back door, especially in the case of disability. It is not the healthcare spending where the government is seeking to cut costs, but elsewhere. The idea to make made mandatory is in the same vein but instead of shifting the cost saving elsewhere, it moves the definition of eligibility to a different demographic in whose case death is nowhere on the scene. I mean, everybody dies at some point, but if someone is uh, otherwise okay and willing to live, that is the main criterion here. Made should be available only when someone had lost the live to live. The will to live, sorry. By the way, if death is made mandatory, can we still call it medical assistance in dying? The person did not make the request for any such assistance. But such is the world of uh, ideological lexicon. Most people pay taxes for about 40 years before they retire at the age of 65. Give or take, they enter the workforce in their early 20s, unless they happen to have immigrated to Canada at a later stage in their lives. Our now shattered and shredded social contract says that paying taxes would enable them to access healthcare for as long as they live without paying out of pocket. In fact, paying out of pocket is prohibited by law. The idea to make deaths mandatory at 85 means that the period for which healthcare is available after retirement would be capped at 20 years. 
you pay taxes for 40 years maybe you utilize the healthcare system for whatever uh, needs that you had but after that once you stop paying taxes 20 years is all you got after that 20 years it is not only healthcare that would be unavailable but life itself there is of course the slippery slope argument also here I don't think that in this instance it would be a conspiracy theory. The reason is this. If death is mandated at the age of 85 on the argument that healthcare for people of that age is prohibitively expensive, then it is merely a matter of redefining the level at which healthcare becomes prohibitively expensive to bring the cutoff down from 85 to 80 years or even 66 years, like you retired last year, so off you go this year. As I said, MAID is supposed to be justified on compassionate grounds, but its expansion will always require the money argument to push it through. To finish, let me emphasize that this idea is not official in any way whatsoever, but as a concerned Canadian, we would be within reason to ponder whether we have a feedback loop of art imitating life which then imitates the said art and so on, they feed on each other, maybe. Bad ideas have a way of catching on, especially in official circles and more especially in the official circles of an ideologically driven regime. In one of my articles, I observed that over the past 50 years or so, Canadian society went from being ruggedly individualistic to being transiently collectivist. We already have one third of Canadians in favour of made for poor people. It would not be wrong to apprehend that the time is ripe and the social soil fertile for making death mandatory, not just on account of age but maybe also for other factors. It is certainly a weird turn of events that in a country that outlawed capital punishment even for the most heinous crimes decades ago, killing of old people just because they are old will become a thing. Having spent 85 years on planet Earth would be seen as a more grievous crime than all the crimes of Paul Bernardo put together. That would seem odd in the extreme to any objective observer. But in the ideological world of socialism, terms like collective good and fundamental justice tend to have a hypnotic effect on people's minds. Therefore, cognitive dissonance tends to be the norm. I sincerely hope that this idea of making made mandatory at the age of 85 dies, pun intended. But if it ever surfaces on the official level, it will be the duty of each and every sane Canadian to fight it tooth and nail. I am sure you will be among them. Let me know your views on this in the comments. Until we meet the next time, be well and goodbye.